We all go through tough times, times when our stress levels are through the roof, when our support is through the floor. And if you're going through a time like that where you just feel wired, where it's hard to fall asleep, where you're stressed, where you're anxious, uh, where you're not really enjoying parenting that much, where you have to deal with all sorts of adult problems, maybe some big ones, maybe some little ones, then this episode is for you. Today, I want to share six mindsets that keep me going when I'm facing some big challenges and when I know that I still want to kind of show up as high vibe as I can for my children and for my life. This is Hi Fam. I'm Avita. So let's talk about the real talk of adulting. You know, being an adult means that you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders and you have a lot of awareness and exposure, probably through media and through other adults, etc., to the ills of the world, to the bad things that are happening, to bad news, to scary themes. And what that is likely to do is it's likely to spike your cortisol, uh, to spike your adrenaline, to get you worried, anxious, nervous or wired right? Like you're on constant alert, high alert. You're, you constantly have to think things through, make decisions. Uh, your phone is pinging all the time. Maybe you're getting short nights, disrupted sleep, um, a sense that there's this hamster wheel of tasks and this just very high intensity. Now, the mindset I'm about to share with you can sometimes help in serious cases of tragedy or emergency or loss or grievance. Um, so, you know, feel free to listen and to apply those there. But I'm mostly focused today on stress, right? On on kind of day-to-day regular first world problems type of stress, right? The, the feeling of just a lot of, you know, tough decisions to make, uh, a lot of worries, um, long, long to-do lists, the sense that there's more more to do than I ever have time to do, that I need another hour in the day, that type of thing. All right. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I'm getting snappy with my kids, when I'm feeling like I'm not, you know, being my best self, when I feel like I'm not really enjoying the day, I'm waiting for it to end. It feels like a grind. It feels like a hustle. Um, I feel overwhelmed and overstretched. Uh, There are some mantras and and mindsets that I try to coach myself with. And that aspect of self-coaching is such a powerful way of upgrading your life because really you can upgrade lots of things in your life on the external. But if you don't upgrade your self-talk, if you don't start coaching yourself, if you don't start being good to yourself inside your brain, then you'll continue to suffer needlessly. And much of our stress is needless right? Much of it is that second arrow. And you've probably heard of this concept where the first arrow is the thing that happened, right? The milk spilt everywhere. That's the first arrow. Um, And that hurts. But the second arrow is our reaction to it and how we react and, and, you know, blame ourselves or get annoyed or get angry or feel insulted or, or feel like life isn't fair, right? It's the interpretation. And those are usually based on cognitive biases and fallacies. Um, like black and white thinking, all or nothing thinking, catastrophizing, personalizing, and those types of things that just make us suffer needlessly. All right. So (laughs) the thing is that as parents, as leaders of a family, as people who are creating culture uh, within our homes, um, we do need to be aware when we start to get crabby, when we're grumpy, when we're in victim mindset, when we're complaining a lot. 
I know that I'll sometimes hear myself being like, I'm cleaning up all the time after everyone. Can you guys be a bit more thoughtful? Or I might start to sound victim-y, like there's too much to do and I can't get it done and it's not fair. And why is the household always a mess? And I don't have enough time to do my work and I haven't even worked out today. And right, you start to get these kind of complaints and they're not who you want to be. Like, I don't like myself when I'm like that, right? I want to show up with a big smile, with an open heart, with a strong backbone, with broad shoulders. Um, I want the people around me to know they can lean on me. They can um, ask me for things, that I have time for them, that I'm, you know, overflowing uh, with enough, (laughs) with enough calm and love and resources and time to be truly available. And I don't like myself when I'm in that mindset. So I also really have this kind of allergy to entitlement and to victim mindset. And yet it sometimes creeps into my own mind and I'm like, no, I don't want to be like that. So what do I do? Well, the first mindset that really helps me here is the sense that I was built for this, right? And this is something that I instill inside my community in the studio. And if you're not in the High Fam studio, get on the wait list because I would love to welcome you in. It's really incredible Um, because that's exactly where we do this deep mindset type of work. And one of the things that we talk about there is the idea that we were built for this, that we as parents uh, have been training our whole lives in, in one way or another, consciously or subconsciously, to handle this, to face this, to deal with this, to deal with this level of stress or challenge. And in some ways, it kind of links into that religious belief that God only gives you what he knows you can handle. I'm sure you've heard that idea. And maybe it's something that you find uh, frustrating or difficult, or you don't like it, or maybe you find it really inspiring and encouraging. For me, it's very inspiring and encouraging. I prefer to think that way, right? It serves me to choose to think that there's nothing on my plate that I can't handle, that I was built for this, that I'm absolutely capable, I'm resilient, I'm strong. And this uh, leans back into that self-positive labeling, right? Labeling myself as a calm person, as a resilient person, as a capable person, as competent, as smiley, as uh, warm, as optimistic, as positive, all sorts of things like that. And when I'm facing challenges in my life and I think it's not fair and why is this happening to me and I can't handle this, then I flip that around and say, no, no, of course I can handle this. I was built for this. I was made for this. Bring it. You think this is going to crush me? Never. (laughs) I laugh in the face of this challenge. I can take 10 times more than this, right? And the sense of kind of reiterating and reinforcing a positive self-talk, a self-concept, thinking of myself, conceptualizing of myself as someone who's strong, as someone who is, is built for challenge, who is able to withstand, who doesn't crumble, who doesn't flinch, who doesn't blink in the face of this challenge is something that really strengthens me. So that's number one. Another one, and this, again, all of these might rub you the right way or the wrong way. So you've got to take the ones that work for you. But another one that really helps me is to remember that my kids are watching, that I am the curriculum. And if you haven't heard my episode on being the curriculum, then go back and listen to that one. But I remember that I am the curriculum. The way that I behave is the curriculum of their childhood. And they're watching. So if I'm being all victim-y and all entitled and whiny and grumpy and crabby and snappy, if I'm holding myself to low standards, if I'm not emotionally regulating, if I'm letting myself just let fly and yell at my kids or at my husband or complain at them or criticize without end because I'm having stress, then that's what they're learning to do. 
And that's what they're learning is the correct and healthy and productive way of responding to challenge and stress. Now, I know some people find it really stressful, like, oh, my kids are watching, don't, you know, that, that, that just adds to my guilt and shame. For me, it actually really kicks my butt into action. It motivates me. It reminds me, no, 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 no. I, I don't have the luxury of falling apart. I don't have the luxury of behaving badly because when I behave badly, five young impressionable minds are learning to behave badly. And that's the future I'm building in the world. That's the legacy I'm leaving. That's the way I'm, that's the imprint that I'm creating. That's not good enough. That's not who I want to be. And so it reminds me when I say my kids are watching, I say, no, 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 I've got to hold myself to a standard. I've got to pull it together. I've got to get my big girl pants on and deal with this in as gracious a way as I possibly can with as much, um, you know, calm and gratitude and grace as I can muster. And so when I remember that my kids are watching, it kind of inhibits me. And that's a good thing. Uh, Inhibition can be a really powerful, good tool in self-regulation, right? It's like we're going to regulate ourselves much more when our boss is around or when there's a camera rolling, right? That helps us to inhibit ourselves. For me, thinking, wait, my kids are watching. This is actually leaving an image on their brain that they'll never be able to erase. It's going to become the blueprint for them of how to behave, of how to handle life. I think, no, no, I got to get my character on. I've got to get strong. I've got to show them how to handle this in a good way. I've got to be a good role model here. I've got to be a good curriculum. So that's mindset number two. Hey, we'll be right back to the show. But real quick, I need to ask you, do you want to know how I kept my day job, started a side hustle and built my business from scratch while birthing, feeding, raising and schooling my five children at home? Well, there are many things that go into it, but the key that made the most difference by far is that my children play independently for hours at a time. No, they are not unicorn children. There's nothing special about them, although they are special to me. All children are designed to play independently for hours a day. Yeah, even yours. But in our culture, play has been stolen, which is tragic because play is so good for kids and also such a breather for us adults. If your child is clinging, reliant on screens or on you for entertainment, you need to check out my new free masterclass, How to Transform Your Home into a Play-Inducing Haven. In it, I will break down how to get your child playing independently with the play zones that every child needs. Go to reclaimplay.com forward slash haven. Okay, back to the show. The next one that I often like to think about is a little bit more philosophical. And I think, okay, but what if it doesn't happen? Right? You've heard this one before. What if it, what if it doesn't happen? Cheer up. What if it doesn't happen? And I remind myself that many of the things I'm suffering about right now either already happened in the past and then they're gone. And what am I going to think about them now for? That's a waste of my time. Or they may or may not happen in the future. And I think, well, I'll cross that bridge when I get there. I mean, I can prepare, I can make decisions, all of that's fine. But why suffer about the future? Why worry, right? That kind of needless, useless energy drain of worrying about the future is a waste of my time right now. And I think, wait, what's happening right now? Okay, how can I be present in this moment? How can I connect with the people around me? How can I be uh, enjoying and, you know, really taking in and breathing in what's going on in my life at the moment? Well, I think, well, what if it doesn't happen? Then I don't need to worry about it. Then I don't need to waste another second on it. What this helps me do is to realize that much of my internal struggle and suffering is imaginary. It's 
the power, the incredible power of human imagination is that we can conjure up images of things that aren't taking place right now in front of us. We can revisit and rehash and ruminate on the past and we can imagine and predict and foresee the future. But when we're doing this forecasting, it's not usually good things. We're not usually visualizing the best possible scenario. And so that's what I do there. When I say, what does, what if it doesn't happen? The other side of that is flipping the channel. I say, you know what, if I'm wasting my time imagining things, why don't I imagine positive things? Why don't I use that kind of manifesting energy to visualize exactly what I do want? Why don't I imagine myself, you know, in some future event that's really meaningful to me, like being at my children's wedding? Why don't I imagine myself on my deathbed, surrounded by loved ones and grandchildren and feeling deeply, you know, at peace and satisfied. I know that might sound like a morbid thing to imagine, but for me, that's like the ultimate goal is to reach the end of life, feeling, you know, really at peace and content with how I've lived. Why don't I imagine my dream house and kind of design it in my head and kind of attract it towards me through the powers of my brain, right? This is just as imaginary as all the worries and concerns. What if, what if, what if, what if? But instead of it being negative and bringing me down and, and ruining my energy, it's positive and it brings me up and it, it high vibes my energy. Staying on the philosophical tone, I like to think of the idea that the universe is rigged in my favor, that everything that is happening is happening for me and with me, but not to me, right? And this is that roomy concept that everything is rigged in your favor. We often think things are happening to us. We often think that things were a mistake or an accident or something bad happened. And then it turns out to have been the best thing that ever happened to us. So we are very quick to judge and to assume that we know whether or not something is good or bad. We are very quick to pass that judgment and to decide if this is, you know, wanted or unwanted, desired or undesired our preference or not. And yet in time, with greater perspective, we often discover that the very things that we thought the mo were the most challenging and the most painful and the worst uh, end up being our greatest source of strength or growth or inspiration uh, or knowledge or a big fork in the road that actually took us down a different path. Now, I think there's a limit to this mindset because I think it's kind of, you know, it can be uh, this kind of toxic positivity that you see even things that, you know, are losses or grievances or painful experiences as something good. And I don't think we want to necessarily force it into that box. And I think it's important to, you know, to grieve and to mourn and to feel the full range of human emotion. But I think with the day-to-day -day stresses, it's really helpful. It's really helpful to reframe many of the things that we perceive as grievances as something that, oh, maybe this is all rigged in my favor. It's all taking me in the right direction. You know, even something as simple as tripping Sometimes when I, uh, if I stub my toe or I trip and you think, oh, why is this happening to me? Oh, this isn't fair. Or, oh, this is painful. That's the type of thing that is quite easy to reframe and to say, wait, you know what? I actually really needed to remind myself of my strength, of my ability to withstand pain, of my ability to breathe. I actually, this was a great reminder that I want to do more leg strengthening exercises or whatever it is, uh, you know, when you get sick, it's like, well, you know what? I actually could really use a few days uh, in bed and to reset and to remind myself of the importance of prioritizing my health, that type of thing. And then you can reframe uh, and reinterpret situations, not as bad things that have happened, but as something that is happening for you and with you. The next mindset that really helps me is to 
remind myself that I am relentlessly committed to showing up to my life. And it's the sense that, okay, I can't control other people. I can't control how other people show up. I can't control the news. I can't control the weather, right? It's the reminder that there is, as Byron Katie puts it, other people's business and there's God's business and there's your business and you need to stay in your business. If you're not minding your business, then who's going to mind your business if you're over there in other people's business? And I think often a lot of the stress in my mind comes from worrying about what other people are going to do or say or think or feel. And when I'm there, who's doing me, right? You've got a you do you type of mindset, right? You show up to the situation as best you can. You bring your best energy. You show up in a way that makes you proud of yourself, that makes you comfortable in your own skin, that makes you happy to be you, that feels aligned with your values and your vision and who you want to be in the world. And when I refocus myself on that, I say, okay, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of decisions. uh, There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of uncertainty or worry or fear. But all I can do is show up my best, right? All I can do is try to be, uh, to, you know, unburden others with myself, not to be a burden on others. All I can try and do is to broaden my own shoulders and try and be someone who can have capacity to support others, to bring a bit more joy, to be a bit, to bring a bit more health, to bring wellness, to be, uh, you know, to be okay, really, to be maybe even more than okay, that might be a bit audacious. There might be a bit of hubris there to expect for us to actually be, you know, to to increase the energy, to heighten the vibes, to uh to bring happiness and joy and health to others. You know, it's 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 shooting high, but why not? Um and that's something that I think of myself. I say, okay, within the turmoil, within the chaos, within the crisis, who do I want to be? And it reminds me of Dr. Jordan Peterson's idea that when you are, you know, the person at your father's funeral that other people can lean into, that other people can rely on, the one that is able to be strong and to be there for others and to have a strong enough spine and a broad enough shoulders that other people can lean into you and rest on you. And I think, wow, yeah, that's really something that I want. I want my family and my friends and my students and my children and my husband to know that I am strong, that I am there for them. Uh, that I have capacity that I will not only take care of myself, okay, I'm not only not going to melt down and be a complete mess uh, on other people, but I'm also going to have the ability for other to take care of others, right, that my children can rely on me, that other people, that my friends can come to me, that I'll be able to listen, that I'll be able to support, that I'll do what I can to help. And again, this could lean too far into toxic positivity where you say, well, you know, sometimes you also need to grieve or you also need to uh, cry or to experience your feelings, etc. Yes. But I don't like going all the way into this kind of, uh, I guess, is it new age? I don't know what to call it. But there's a kind of idea today of letting yourself go. It's okay to fall apart. It's okay to be a mess. It's okay to be chaotic. It's okay to be... Uh, crazy to 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 be to have tantrums. I, I you know I I don't struggle with it. I struggle to understand why we would be encouraging ourselves to do that. Why would we be encouraging ourselves to lower our standards or to be dysregulated, um, or to be irrational, uh, or to be overly emotional, or to be a burden to other people? I just I, I can't see the merit in that. I can't see how that helps us. I don't think anyone feels great after that. I don't think anyone feels particularly proud of themselves when they've completely lost it. You know, I know that for me, when I lose it, if I if I start screaming, if I stop yelling, if I have a meltdown, I 
it does not make me feel proud of myself. I feel ashamed. Um, and I think that's appropriate. I think it's appropriate to feel ashamed when we are completely dysregulated, not in the, in the sense of like grieving or mourning, that type of thing, but in the sense of just being emotional wrecks. I think that makes us feel very weak. I think that makes us feel really out of control in the worst type of way. And it also, I think, just makes us feel like we lose respect for ourselves and like other people are going to lose respect for us. It's very hard to respect someone who can't regulate themselves. You know, when you see people who fly into fits of rage, when you see people who, you know, melt down crying about things that are trivial, um, that causes us to feel a certain level of maybe pity, but also a little bit of mm, disrespect towards them because it's hard to see them as fully grown up people. And so that's why I say, I think one of my challenges when I'm facing challenges is to conduct myself in a way that I feel that I have self-respect, right? To conduct myself in a way that I feel like, yeah, that was really challenging and tricky and messy and difficult and chaotic and painful, um, but I held it together. I didn't embarrass myself. I didn't let myself go. I held myself to a standard. Other people might not have been holding themselves to a standard. Other people might have been falling off of their values or gossiping, lying, cheating, melting down, doing all sorts of things. I'm going to do my best not to go that path because at least I want to feel good about it. It kind of links into the my kids are watching right? It's that holding ourselves to a standard. And we say, you know, this is, this is challenging. This is difficult. It's chaotic. It's messy. It's stressful. But I've got people watching me and learning and I need to hold myself to a standard. So how do I show up? And I think it really helps if you're facing some kind of, you know, a challenge with the medical system or with the educational system or with work or with family or with extended family, with all sorts of things. I don't know, a building site that you're working on or a project that you're in. And people are annoying you, are upsetting you, are behaving in, in bad ways, are being immoral, um, then it, it really helps to just refocus and, you know, turn that lens back around to yourself and say, look, I can't control what they're doing, but how do I show up? And lastly, one of the things that really helps me is to remember my own mortality and to remember that every single moment is a gift. And this could be my last day ever. It could be everybody's last day ever. We don't know. Tomorrow isn't promised. And again, I know that can be quite triggering for some people. They don't want to think about death. I think hosting the idea of death and accepting and understanding death is a really important hallmark of maturity. It's how we grow up. It's how we start to live life, really, is how we start to actually understand, okay, how am I going to live? Because death is inevitable. Um, so if that is a, a trigger for you, I can really recommend the book, The Denial of Death. And it's a, a really helpful philosophical book that helps you to kind of overcome and understand why people deny death and what you can do to face it. And I think many people in their kind of 40s and 50s, they start to really have that wake up call, or maybe you face a near death experience or someone that you um, love does and something jerks you awake from the kind of slumber that we, you know, that we feel immortal and then we realize that we're not. Maybe it's the process of aging. But I think it's important to hold an awareness of our own mortality and realize, look, you know, that Annie Dillard quote, how we live each day is, of course, how we live our lives. So how I handle this spilt milk, how I handle this crisis, how I handle this chaos is at the end of the day, that's my legacy. That's how I lived. That's who I was. That's me. 
that's what people will remember that's the obituary that's the that's the the energy that i brought to the world that's the legacy and i think there can be a lot of pressure on that and of course we just have to live and and be in the moment and not be so calculated and so stressed about our uh, appearance and you know the mark that we're leaving on the world at all times but if we just generally kind of loosely and lightly hold an awareness right that this is it this is life it's happening now it's not going to happen when we're in our dream house when we have the bank account when we have uh, the the ideal body weight when we uh, you know when our kids grow up and leave home it's not going to happen in the future it's happening now um it's happening now with these circumstances with this imperfect and flawed reality there is no utopia out there uh, that suddenly will be our best selves, right? And then that, for me, at least, that helps me to encourage me to be my best self in this moment. And it helps me to enjoy the little moments and to count them, right? So I say, okay, you know what? I'm not running a marathon, but I can run for 10 minutes. You know, me and my husband are not going away for a week in, you know, in in Hawaii, but we can have a cup of coffee together in the morning and and feel romantic. And it helps me to kind of reclaim and notice and emphasize and accentuate the beautiful things and the moments of my life right now. And it helps me to brush away and just brush off and, and kind of like water off a, duck, off a duck's back with all the little annoyances and say, it's not worth it. This could be my last day ever. And we all know that if we knew it was our last day ever, we would conduct ourselves very differently. And that's not good. We don't, we still need to plan for the future. We still need to save for retirement and, you know, brush our teeth um, and do the things that we may not do if it was our last day ever, because we are planning for the future and we do need to take into consideration ourselves tomorrow and the next day and in a year and in a decade and in 20 years, etc. But we can bring in a little bit of that awareness that it could be and that one day it will be. And that even if it's not our last day ever, it's our last, you know, several thousand days ever. And we want to spend them wisely. And that, I think, helps put things into perspective and helps us to be more who we want to be now rather than waiting for some magical time in the future when we'll become who we want to be. I hope this gave you some food for thought. And if you are going through a stressful time, I just want to say I'm sending you so much love and high vibes and strength and energy to get through it. You were built for this. Remember that your kids are watching and it might not even happen. Remember that the universe is rigged in your favor and you might as well interpret everything as happening for you and with you and not to you. And just remember that you can show up no matter what other people are doing, no matter what's happening, you show up as your best version of yourself. It might be our very last day on earth. Much love and keep on living that high fam life.